Welcome back to Miskatonic University Remote Education Program's offering of Literature 209, Graphical Literature and Society and History. I am your professor, Professor Hamby, as always with my teaching assistant, Rowan. Say hello, Rowan. Hello. Rowan is here because she is legally obligated by student aid to be here. Um, but I think that this fills a place in your soul with light, doesn't it? Darkness. Darkness. Well, that's kind of like light except the opposite. So, as usually, these course sessions can be found uh, via a podcast stream at comicscourse.captivate.fm. They are also listed on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and all those various outlets. If you find a directory that is not listed on that you'd like me to list it on, please let me know. You can also contact me personally on Twitter as Prof Hamby. That's P-R-O-F-H-A Amazon Mary B-Y. And updates. Uh, for those still concerned about my past T.A. Thomas, he is still alive and well in Antarctica. Apparently, the ship that was going to get him was found adrift with nobody on board. And all the crew lost. So, A, that's probably bad. And B, I don't know when they're going to get a ship out to rescue him. What do you mean, probably? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about them. What could have been the benefit to this? I just say, maybe it comes out net neutral. Maybe some of them are, you know, a couple of them were serial killers. And the innocent ones totaled who the others would have killed if they'd ever gotten back to civilization. So it's a net neutral. Right? I mean, I don't know the math on this one. So, anyway, uh, Thomas still has limited internet and solar panels, so we are playing chess. Once I get the class's website up and running, I will post those moves on the website. Now, for our weekly uh, notes from the department, Dr. Feckett would like me to remind everybody that during midterms, they will do the usual midnight breakfast where faculty come in to fix lunch or breakfast or just food in general, I guess, for the students at midnight, for those who are doing all-night cram sessions. And Dr. Milhaven is still banned from it as he cannot legally enter within 150 yards of any food preparation services. So let's jump into the class. The topic today is we're going to talk about Kate Bishop. Now, this is not going to be one of our more academically minded course sessions. One of the things that I think is important about graphic literature is that you just enjoy reading it. And while there are some excellent literary examples we're going to talk about today, and they don't really take much in context in the way of society and history. These are standalone literary works, and some of them are just fun. They feature the character of Kate Bishop. Kate Bishop is being introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I believe next week the series starts uh, where she is introduced as the second Hawkeye. You could say new Hawkeye, but really in the comics she and Clint Barton exist simultaneously. And I know Jeremy Renner has expressed an interest in stepping away from the role because of his age and all that. But I would not be surprised if they continue to coexist on at least some projects. There's also a lot of speculation that the team she was introduced in in the comics, Young Avengers, will make its premiere at some point in the not-too-far future, since many of its characters have been introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one form or another. 
So why are we doing this? We're doing this because I like the character of Kate Bishop and I want to share a little bit of the love of it. And I want to give you a reading list of what you definitely should read and what you could read of the various Kate Bishop titles. She's been around for a while now, so she's had a lot of books, more than most people will probably want to read just to have some background on the character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially since a lot of it's probably not going to carry over, but some will. So let's jump straight in with one that's kind of a must-read. I don't think it's a particularly great title, but information from it does carry through to the future, and it is how she's introduced. And this title is Young Avengers by Alan Heinberg and Jim Cheung. Now, I'm going to go over volumes you can easily get at, say, Amazon or in bookstores, that kind of thing. This one is called Young Avengers, The Complete Collection. It starts up after a storyline called Avengers Disassembled. A bunch of Avengers died, including Hawkeye, and the remaining Avengers, including Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, decide the time of the Avengers is over. It's too dangerous. People just get hurt. And in the wake of that, this group that are labeled the Young Avengers because of their apparent similarity to the Avengers happen, and they're labeled this by the press, including Jessica Jones, who's working with the Daily Bugle. This title, I'll be honest, I don't think it's great. But a lot of its characters have already in some form been introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. One of the characters is the Patriot, who's kind of a Captain America stand-in. His name is Josiah Bradley, grandson of Isaiah Bradley, which if you've seen the Falcon and Winter Soldier miniseries on Disney+, Plus, you've met Isaiah Bradley, who it turns out is the original Captain America, the uh, an experiment to create a super soldier serum with black... Uh, guinea pigs, basically. We've also met Skrulls. One of them is called Hulkling, because it turns out he doesn't have a relationship to Bruce Banner in any way, but he uses his shape-changing to appear to be a Hulk-like character. We also have Wiccan and Speed, who are the sons of the Scarlet Witch, who use reality warping to create them. We also have Iron Lad, who appears to use a super tech version of soup of uh, Iron Man's armor, but is actually a young Kang from the 30th century who travels back in time to try to recruit these superheroes to help him stop his future self. Kang's everywhere. And with Kang come already introduced in Loki and coming up in the Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I could easily see them cycling him into a conflict with a Young Avengers-type group. the One of the group that is not planned as the series starts is Hawkeye, a.k.a. Kate Bishop. Instead, she is introduced when the so-called Young Avengers try to stop a wedding. And, well, not the wedding itself. They try to stop the attack of a wedding by people who want to hold the wedding attendees hostage and collect ransom money for them. Okay, I was just about to say, they could just say they object. I know. Well, I mean, but they don't... Just because you object doesn't mean the wedding won't proceed. I mean, sometimes you got to go to extreme measures. If you have superpowers, it does. It depends on how strenuously you object. Anyway, it doesn't go well for them. In fact, the completely normal uh, uh, thugs 
are starting to beat up on the Patriot. One of them's literally holding the Patriot's arms behind his back while another's punching him in the face. What's the Patriot? The Patriot is the guy in the Captain America-like outfit. Oh, okay. I mentioned him earlier, Josiah Bradley. Oh, yeah, sorry. Now, you see this uh, maiden at the wedding. I, uh, For some reason, bridesmaid is the term I was looking for. Is the dark hair. Mm-hmm. She reaches down and picks up one of the throwing stars the Patriot had been using to stab the guy in the leg who's holding a gun to her head. That is Kate Bishop. That is how she's introduced to the Young Avengers. She has to save herself when they fail. Mm -hmm. And Kate Bishop is a pretty minor character. This story really deeply revolves with character backgrounds about Wiccan and Iron Lad and uh, the Hulkling. And lots of story about them, lots of dialogue from them. All we find about Kate Bishop is that she comes from a really rich family and for some reason, she's really good at athletic stuff. She's also hyper-observant. You know, when Iron Man is punching in a code on a keypad that the kids need, she's the only one that observes him and uh, remembers, remembers it. it later. And the only one that thinks to watch him do it. So she continually steals the show, but there's very little utility to her. But she kind of plays a Black Widow Hawkeye role. And they kind of jokingly call her Hawk Ling. The name of Hawkeye isn't really adopted yet. Now, there is a storyline later where she does meet Hawkeye as Ronan. And for those who watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you know Ronan is the persona that was taken by Clint Barton during the snap. And so that's the parallel here that you see in the trailer for the Hawkeye series that Kate Bishop has kind of taken over the Ronin persona. So that's not quite how it happened in the comics, but there's there's a parallel there. That's really all I have to say about Young Avengers. It's her introduction, and she's a relatively minor character compared to the super-powered ones, but she steals the scenes she's in. It's just a here-she-exists. Right. Now, the Young Avengers were fairly successful, This came out of a time period when Marvel was experimenting with a bunch of next-generation versions of characters. Not just the Young Avengers, but also, for example, uh, X2, who was a clone of Wolverine, and other, uh, also experimenting with Jane Foster as Thor. They've had various levels of success with this. How Uh, many more characters can we make to make more plushies? I'm not sure if plushy specifically, but they were wanting to experiment with female and younger versions of characters because there's this continuous uh, push and pull between the reality that for both Marvel and DC, their value comes from being these longstanding properties that people know versus are we alienating new readers because eventually all the old white guys reading us, our stuff in the direct market are going to die. So we need some new people to take their place. How do we balance this push and pull? And so, of course, what Marvel wanted to do, and DC thinks along these lines also, is leverage the weight of these traditional properties, but try to somehow make them fresh and new. Mm -hmm. And really, to some degree, everything they've done the last 20 years is about that. Mm -hmm. So this was an experiment. 
To varying degrees, it worked. Young Avengers was somewhat successful. It didn't become an ongoing series that lasts to this day, but they've had adventures with the Runaways. They had participation in Civil War. They had participation in Secret Invasion. People have liked them. But have they made household names for themselves? No. Some others were successful on other levels. A lot of people like Jane Foster as Thor. And in fact, she's making a comeback, apparently, in the fourth Thor movie, Love and Thunder. The female daughter clone of Wolverine uh, is an ongoing character that people have grown to like. Wait, she's a clone and a daughter? Well, Wolverine kind of thinks of her as a daughter in a way. She's actually a clone... You know, there's like a familial thing there. Look, there's so many clones in the Marvel Universe, you kind of have to develop social norms around them. I mean, at some point, I think they're going to have a storyline where it's revealed that nobody on the planet was born. It's actually in an alternate universe, and everybody is a clone from a different universe. Probably. Probably. Clone sagas are a thing. So, in fact, we get into that with Kate Bishop, where there's a storyline that occurs where she spends a bunch of time fighting a clone of herself and then is complaining about it to two characters who are clones. <laughs> and it's like, clones are the worst, aren't they? Oh, wait. Foot and mouth. Trust me, the guys who wrote the Spider-Man clone saga, major mixed feelings about the precedent that started. So I don't think Young Avengers is all that great. But it is good to read for the origin of Kate Bishop and the two major things that followed it, which is the Young Avengers uh, adventures with the Runaways. Uh, I, I think you can skip. If you, if you really liked the Young Avengers, go find them. They have trade collections of them with Secret Invasion and Civil War. Go ahead and read them. You'll probably enjoy them. I think you can skip them personally. The next major work is Hawkeye by Matt uh, Fraction and Adja. Now, okay, you this is available, I think, in three separate trade paperbacks, or you can buy one huge omnibus of all of them. The big omnibus is by far the best way to do it. It has a black and white cover with these purple and blue bullseye symbols on it. The Fraction series is interesting because, first of all, it opens with a reprint from a Young Avengers miniseries where the last issue focused on Kate Bishop and her meeting Ronan slash Hawkeye, her getting his bow. It follows up the events of the Young Avengers trade paperback I told you about. I don't think that story is particularly interesting, but it does set the stage for the relationship between Clint Barton and Kate Bishop and how they both end up with the name Hawkeye and end up in a kind of working relationship with each other. One of the things I think is very, 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 very important to understand about their relationship is that she is not a sidekick. She is not the Robin to his Batman. Nor is she the young, un unformed version, like the su a Superboy to a Superman. She is an independent character called Hawkeye who coexists. And one thing that's important to note, that despite occasional jokes to the contrary, Clint Barton, even from the very early stages, treats her like that. I mean, he does make some comments in that one-off issue about, you know, them needing training and to be formed. But once we start the, Mark, the Matt Fraction books, which are her first real presence as a major character, 
she and Clint Barton are equals. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they identical? No. But they have a lot of similar abilities, they have a lot of similar humor, and they bounce off each other. And one of the things that it's important to understand about their relationship is that Clint Barton is a horn dog. Clint Barton has nailed about every available piece of female ass in the Marvel Universe. A lot of it has been documented, and I'm willing to bet there's more undocumented. I'm willing to bet there are some Cree human babies out there that have to explain an un, you know unusually light blue skin uh, to, to a wider Cree civilization. I'm just saying. Clint's gotten around. And if you're female end Avenger, they've been there. Yeah, just saying. Just saying. Uh, and one thing you find out as the series goes on is that apparently he's an awful boyfriend. Like, there's a whole collections of exes that show up in the course of stories. And they all still love him as a person. And none of them are willing to get anywhere near him romantically again. It's just not going to happen. Um, so, wonderful human being, awful boyfriend. So much baggage and issues. So much. He's very different than in the movies. Oh yeah, very different. Now, the art style is kind of inconsistent, and Matt Fraction likes to jump back and forth. It's sometimes hard to follow, but it can sometimes be brilliant, too. I'm not a huge fan of the art style in these. What do you think of the art? It's okay. Yeah, sometimes it communicates the mood well. They certainly use... I like the lighting, though. Yeah, and color palettes are used to indicate time. He likes to jump forwards and backwards with different color palettes indicating what time period the story is in. Which which helps. Yeah, which is kind of cool, but it's also kind of jarring. Yeah. We do get introduced to Lucky the pizza dog. <gasps> pizza dog? Right. He's actually injured, and Hawkeye brings him into a vet. Aww. And then kind of becomes his dog and names him Lucky. Yeah, there's a couple of interesting little in-jokes in there. But... In the course of the series, we get the interaction between Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. Now, we don't get that immediately. The first issue is really just Hawkeye, and then Kate Bishop's introduced, and the story jumps back and forth, and Matt Fraction doesn't care about giving equal screen time. He just does whatever's appropriate for the story. In fact, there's one whole issue that has no dialogue and is from the point of view of Lucky the Pizza Dog. I kind of love that. Right. So, if you're expecting consistency from this, you're not going to get it. Now, he tries to be really, really clever. And the fact is, sometimes he fails. But sometimes he also really succeeds. That's one of the issues with trying to be clever. Right. And not naturally being clever. But let's be honest, there are a lot of writers that try to be clever, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, who very rarely succeed. Mm-hmm. He actually succeeds a pretty darn good amount of the time. Mm-hmm. So, here's going to be the thing with this series. If you're willing to put up with a bit of inconsistency, if you're willing to look past when the storytelling fails and really enjoy when the storytelling succeeds, I think this is a solid omnibus to read. But it is going to be frustrating at times, and it is going to fall flat at times, and the pacing isn't always great. And sometimes the pacing is slow, and sometimes the pacing is insanely fast. And yes, here here's an example, and I think this is the third issue where Clint Barton randomly wandered out to do errands, met up with a hot redhead, arranged to buy her car, and ended up in bed with her 
uh, all within a couple of hours. And then ends I, up... I'm, I, that caught me off guard. Yeah, the bottom panel yeah. where he's having to jump naked across the room and they just put a picture of Hawkeye from his Avengers days over his privates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's a definite sense of humor here. I, I love that. I think this is really good. I think Matt Fraction's a good writer. I don't think people should be discouraged by the fact that he doesn't land the target 100% of the time. I think we need writers willing to do this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do encourage people to pick it up. But if what you want is a traditional superhero story, you want nonstop laughs, and this is not always funny. Sometimes it's kind of sad. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the pacing is like a noir film. Uh, then I think it's a good read. But you definitely see a buildup of the relationship between Clint Barton and uh, uh, Kate Bishop. And a lot of stuff that's going to be reused by the storylines later. Here, henceforth, I may just call them the Hawkeyes. Now, after this, we get to two collected editions by Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire is a well-known writer. He's done things like The World of Black Hammer, a lot of other very successful writing. And these two are must-reads for anybody who wants to sort of get into the know of Kate Bishop. But again... It's about the Hawkeyes, not just her. The first one is called All New Hawkeye, or Hawkeye, All New Hawkeye. And the second one is called Hawkeye, Hawkeyes. Now, All New Hawkeye here is kind of an interesting misleading thing, because you think, oh, okay, it's all about Kate Bishop. It is, in fact, very much, I'd say more about Clint Barton, but a fair bit of Kate Bishop. And first off, I want to ask you about the art. There are a lot of pages that use this almost like collage style with these almost smudged painting kind of effects, but they look more like they're done with charcoal or something. I really like it. It looks like an old painting, not digital. And it may have been done physically. I don't know. It looks really cool. I suspect it was probably done digitally. Most of them are these days. I love the colors. Yeah. And Jeff Lemire does a story that jumps backward and forwards in time and sometimes breaks its own continuity, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Uh, and we, this becomes the definitive story of Clint Barton's history and how he ended up being Hawkeye. And some of it's pretty brutal. He does not come from a happy family background at all. And his relationship with his brother is problematic. Oh, that's a dramatic switch in art style. Right. It changes in art style. But I kind of like it because the smudgy stuff is from the past. Right. And then you get to these super sharp lines with very stark colors that are the present. I like that it's very clear what's present and what's his memories. Right. And memory is vague and indistinct. And, and maybe in a way idolized. While the present is stark and literal and absolute. Yeah, I don't normally like big dramatic style changes, but I actually really like it here. And it really works with Jeff Lemire's writing. And just to make sure we understand, they do put little text up at the top that says then. Yeah, if, if the style change wasn't obvious enough for you. Right. And this, even though it appears to be more about Clint Barton, it's really just building a foundation. Because as the story progresses, it becomes just as much about Kate Bishop. 
And the story is about his past and then a mission for S.H.I.E.L.D. that in a way goes horribly wrong. And they make mistakes, including moral mistakes. And then we skip forward to a future where things have gone horribly wrong because of their mistakes. And then we find out, and it's never stated explicitly, but it becomes clear that that's more of a probable future because Clint Barton changes his mind to do the right thing instead. And they go out to try to fix their mistake and find a new way. So they pull the fast one on us. Well, they're showing possibilities. They're showing how the past is fixed, but the future isn't. And Clint actually, in a lot of ways, makes the right choice, but the wrong one. And how hard it is to make the right choice Sorry, sometimes. Did you say again? Sorry, Siri is jumping in my conversation. Rude. I know it is. So, I, I don't want to give this away. I really don't want to give too much of the story away because the Jeff Lemire books are so important to read. And the first one sets up this conflict where they're trying to help these people, and I don't want to give the details away. Um, the dog's back. Yep, the dog stays with him. So, But in the second volume, Hawkeye's, we jump from a lot of Clint Barton's past to learning a lot into the future where they've become, the Hawkeyes have become distant from each other and they need to fix their mistake. There's a real problem and things have gone far downhill. And we spend issues on this, multiple issues. So we think this is a committed reality until Clint Barton in the past changes his mind. They did it again. So they screw with us. But we also then diving and start diving after that into Kate Bishop's past and learning how Kate Bishop has a past in a lot of ways that parallels to Clint Barton's, including the fact that while Clint Fa Barton had three father figures, a father who was abusive, a foster father who was abusive, and then the swordsman who was a villain, Kate Bishop's father is a villain as well. And we find all these parallels between them. And it, I should be noted, because I talked earlier about his romantic relationships, one thing that's established off the get-go is that while Kate Bishop may harbor some romantic feelings towards Clint Barton, you know, kind of a schoolgirl crushes thing, she never expresses it. There are a couple scenes that make you wonder if she kind of wishes he had a romantic response to her. And we have a couple scenes where we kind of get the vibe that he is attracted to her. But he is absolutely adamant, and they never back off from this, one iota, that he is not going to screw up his relationship with her like he did Black Widow and Mockingbird and others by sleeping with her. Mm -hmm. This is just not going to happen. And it doesn't become one of those rom-con uh, uh, trope things where they both say it's not going to happen, but then it they're inexorably pulled towards it. No. They say it's not going to happen, and it doesn't. Period. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of nice, actually. Yeah, finally. Finally, um, you can have a male and female in a comic without it being romantic. And you can have a little bit of a, you know, maybe we could... No. And, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. It's not... You know, it's almost like their genitals don't rule their entire brain. Yeah, who would have known? Right. And 
So these two volumes, the two Jeff Lemire Hawkeye volumes, are absolute must-reads. Uh, and they're must-reads for Kate Bishop and Clint Barton. Now, after this point, we get a series of three volumes. I believe all three are written by Kelly Thompson. I know the first one is, Anchor Points, where Kate Bishop, her father's disappeared. She's not wealthy anymore. She heads out to L.A. to become an unlicensed private investigator and detective. And As everyone does who moves to L.A. Right. Now, I will first up say I'm not a fan of the art in these. It's just not an art style I care for. It is a very American comics art style that uh, reminds me a lot of some of the independent comics from the 60s and 70s. Uh, very Love and Rockets, if you like Love and Rockets. I don't care for it. What do you think? It's okay. I like the colors. I'm not a big fan of the of everything else. Yeah, the pop art colors I'm fine with. You know, very Andy Warhol, uh, or even post-Andy Warhol neon pop art colors. But I, I'm just not a fan of the art style. I'm just yeah. not. Uh, with that said, I also think the writing tries hard to be hip at times. It, it's, it's not the worst I've ever seen, by far. Mm -hmm. um, there's some things I like in the writing. It just overall doesn't work for me. Oh, there's so much text. There's a lot of text, which I'm okay with, but they work really hard to make her clever, mm -hmm. and it shows that they're working hard to make her clever. If you have, if you make the person think they're trying to make her clever, you're not making them clever. And that they work hard to get her ass beat and seem like she's fighting uphill, and it feels like they're working hard to get her ass beat and fighting uphill. It just all their cards are on the table. It Okay. I'm not saying that writers shouldn't work from a spreadsheet with a flow chart of how to build a storyline. But when you read it, you shouldn't be able to visualize the flow chart in your mind. I feel like I can do that with this. When you can see the flow chart on the table, you've messed up. You do this to build up the character. You do this to present the challenge. Here's how many story beats then have this. Here's the joke. Here's this. Here's this. Make the reader feel clever by them obviously mention noticing this. Man, you're clever as a writer by putting something in to make the reader feel clever. It, it, yeah. You don't want to write something that seems like it's made by a professor to help you learn writing. Right. And that's what it feels like. Now, with that said, a lot of iconic elements are introduced, uh, including her conflict with Madame Mask, which is built upon... Who's Madame Mask? A villain of the Marvel Universe. who And she's the one who creates a clone of Kate's body. And then Kate has to fight her in it. Mm. And she runs into uh, the clone of Wolverine. And then another clone of Wolverine. And How many times has that man been cloned? I have lost track. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, he's been cloned about as many times as Spider-Man has. He needs to keep his DNA to himself. Well, you know, when they... Lo when they sedate him and steal it that's not really his choice true by the third volume called double trouble clint barden is back and there are some good issues in here i mean it really builds up the repartee between uh her and him in ways that are positive but it doesn't quite save the series i do think the third volume in a lot of ways is the best though they play off each other really well. Oh, I don't like that art style change. Yeah. And in this, we do meet some important characters, like Ramona, who 
runs the next door surf shop, who turns out to be lesbian. Her brother, who becomes a romantic interest for Kate. Uh, we have the return of Novar, who's an old boyfriend of Kate, who is a Cree with enhanced by cockroach DNA. I know. Literally worst creature other than probably a spider to get right. your DNA's powers from. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out at the end that uh, the brother actually has superpowers. He can become material that he touches. Of course he gets powers. Now all that ends, and then we get to the West Coast Avengers. I love that. Now, the West Coast Avengers is one of the best titles Marvel published in a very, 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 very long time. Which is why they canceled it after 10 issues. Of course, because they canceled now, everything that's good. I know, I know some people probably dislike what I just said about Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye series. That it tried too hard and things were laid out too clearly at times. Well, she is the one who's writing West Coast Avengers and this is just goddamn brilliant. She it, learned. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there was editorial influ influence. Maybe she got better. Maybe this was just lightning in a bottle. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to ask her what her perception of the difference is. Certainly she has, I think, a better artist for her writing style on this series. Mm -hmm. um, but I think her writing was amazing. There are so many scenes that I love in this series. I don't even know where to begin. But we're going to begin with the idea that uh, Kate Bishop is putting together a team of West Coast Avengers. Clint Barton is with her, so both Hawkeyes. Uh, her boyfriend from the previous series is back now calling himself Fuse, and it turns out that he has a vibranium lip, lip ring so he can turn into a body of living vibranium. <laughs> and they later introduce a storyline where it turns out that uh, he's actually of Wakandan descent, and so is his sister, and his sister has superpowers too that she's hidden from everybody. And all of that may have been originally intended to have been explored in the Hawkeye series if it had run long enough. But this also has Gwynpool, it has America Chavez, it has Quentin Quire, uh, and the whole thing is just hilarious. Okay. I thought that was Chavez on the cover, but I wasn't sure. Who, Chavez? Mm -hmm. America Chavez? Yeah. Now, I will tell you, America Chavez, in my mind, is often written too over the top. I have read America Chavez books where they try so hard to be so woke and hip that... They become, in my mind, everything that you can criticize about social justice in comics. A complete lack of anything but hipness. Can no they... joy, no fun, no adventure, no humor, just wokeness after wokeness after wokeness. Can you write a... Can people just learn to write diverse characters like you would write anyone and stop trying to be woke about it? Because you're doing the opposite of being woke when you do that. Right. Wokeness should be an expression of diversity happening naturally, not attempting it. When you're attempting it, all you're doing is creating a platform to yell at people. Mm -hmm. America Chavez here is sexy. She's strong. She's lesbian. She's an independent character. None of this is pushed in your face, except for maybe the strong part. They do repeatedly point out that she can punch people into the sun. Especially when she wants to punch her own teammates into the sun because she's so annoyed at them. <laughs> but I mean, she's grumpy, but fun. Mm -hmm. And and she's unapologetic about anything. And her friends don't put her in a position to apologize. Mm -hmm. It just is. And it works. 
and it, the whole series starts off with a bang with the land sharks, but there there are so many just classic scenes in here, just scenes I love. She tries to recruit new superheroes, and it goes horribly. Like there's this page where she's recruiting new people, and one of them is the Silver Snowboarder. So your powers only work in the snow. Totally. Do you think um, maybe Los Angeles wasn't not the best choice for you? <laughs> the Dutch oven. The guy comes in surrounded by a giant blanket. Come on, man. <laughs> I love that. Um, Gwynpool shows up. Her powers are different than in the past. And she says, I think I've been rebooted. <laughs> Quentin Quire's t-shirts are epic. You can re... You need to watch his t-shirts like the second time you read it. So the artist put some work into this, too. Right. And he shows up with a film crew to create a documentary about him because he lied to them and told them he was on a team, which is why he's willing to be on a team with everyone else. And and the interstitials where they're interviewing people work. I mean, it's the sort of shtick that's usually painful. And here it actually works. <laughs> I love the art in this as well. Yeah, everything works about this. Including the 60-foot tiger they have to fight. Holy shoot. I know. Uh, and, and so many great quotable scenes. Um, one, one of my favorite scenes ever, and I put this on Twitter, if you follow Prof Hamby, P-R-O-F-H-A-M-B-Y, on Twitter, uh, I posted a screenshot of this the other day, but some of them are left behind to watch a movie together, and suddenly in the middle of fighting, Gwynpool and Quentin, o, uh, Quentin Choir, uh, Kid Omega, start making out while arguing. And Marika Chavez puts her head down and goes, I have seen Quentin Quire making out with someone. That's my reality now. I can never go back. And, and, and Fuse goes, it, it's like the image is burned onto my retinas. No matter how much I blink, there it is. And it's just great. Um, by the second volume... Gwynpool has adopted a baby land shark, Jeff, which, by the way, if you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited uh, through their Infinity sort of imprint, they're doing like these four, five, six page uh, It's Jeff comics, which are hilarious. They're dialogueless and they're so painfully cute. And if Marvel isn't selling plushies of Jeff, I'd be shocked. I want one now. I, we'll have to look. They're probably doing them. By the second volume, again, so many just amazing scenes. But I'll point out my favorite. And there's lots of action, by the way. Action, adventure, there's character development. But in what might be the absolute best. So Novar, which is Kate Bishop's ex, shows up. She's currently dating uh, Fuse. Fuse and Novar end up trying to escape this villain's complex together. And obviously, they kind of have issues with each other because one's the ex, one's the current. But they're also like, he is really hot. <laughs> and then they end up on camera being interviewed. And they're kind of man-crushing on each other. <laughs> and then when Kate Bishop finally gets on camera and they're interviewing her, the camera guy says, are you at all concerned about, you know, maybe them hooking up with each other? She's like, uh, no. Do you want to see their interview footage? Uh, and, and then out of frustration at one point, she goes, 
have I ever dated anyone straight? And then suddenly the camera pans and you see just like three foot away from her, everybody watching her interview bit and all of them yell at her. No, no, you haven't. <laughs> Have I ever dated anyone straight? No. Now, you could, with a cynical eye, look at this and go, oh, so two bi boys and a straight girl, and there's a poly thing, that's all this damn wokeness. It works in the story, and it's funny. funny. It's not being woke, it's writing a good story. Mm-hmm. It's just writing a story, and it's fun. Sure. It's natural. And then I'm going to throw one in here at the last. And uh, this probably isn't properly speaking a Kate Bishop book, but Kate Bishop plays a major part in it, and it partially works because of her, and it's fun, and it helps capture some of that absolutely zany, crazy kind of energy that I loved in West Coast Avengers. And it is the collected journey into mystery from the War of the Realms event, which includes her... Deathlock 2, Wonder Man, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and some other characters, as they have to take the child of Freya and in a Winnebago transport the child across the country as the min- evil minions of Norse mythology try to chase them down. How many children has Freya had? Plenty. It's been thousands of years. I mean, even if she only got knocked up er- twice a millennia. I mean, there's still some unaccounted for. I'm serious, right? Mm -hmm. And along the way, the insanity that happens uh, is is just amazing. So, I'm going to throw that in as the last one. We are well over the 40-minute mark, so that's probably plenty of time to hear us laugh and talk about Kate Bishop. And so what if this is going to get carried over into the series? Well, I suspect, from what I've seen, that the she's from money is going to carry over that she's a natural athlete and smart and a natural with the bow is all going to carry over. The dynamic with Hawkeye is obviously going to carry over from the previews we saw. I would not be surprised if her father as a villain carries over. And by the way, I didn't really talk about it, but in the course of a little bit at the end of the Kelly Thompson Hawkeye series and then West coast Avengers, we find out the mother who was supposedly killed by the father is alive and the father is a supervillain working with Madame Mask. And the mother is a supervillainess working with Madame Mask and maybe controlling her as well as a vampire cult. Because there's always a cult. So there's just issues here going on. Yeah. She's a bag of issues. Got it. But there we go. I am now really excited for the TV show. So family of supervillains, I think, is a possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would also tie in with the Chang Shi movie. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, how, well but... not tie in, but I mean two families with supervillains. No, oh, any issues. Yeah. And we'll talk about the Shang-Chi movie at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, we are going to wrap it up for now, and we'll catch you up next time. Yeah. Keep reading comics. Bye. <laughs>